Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So good. Would you guys stand with me? I'm glad that you're here this morning. Now, come on, don't get quiet on me now. Yeah, yeah, look at your neighbor and say, don't be quiet. You're going to help us out today. We're going to start out by reading some scripture, and then we're going to pray. And I'm going to tell off on the youth a little bit. I'm so proud of them for this last week and doing VBS. They, uh, they gave up time, and they did a great job. And I'm proud of them. I'm proud of all of our workers. My goodness. They worked so hard, saw excellent teaching and excellent interaction. And I'm just glad that I'm a part of Ray of Hope. Is anybody else? Yeah. This is a great, great church reaching our community, and I love it. For Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Let's go ahead and start out with a little bit of Scripture. Matthew chapter 16, verses 19. Just the verse 19, rather. Sorry. Now, we read this. Uh, Pastor read this to open up last week. And we're going to read the abbreviated version. Chapter 16, verse 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Good news. Amen. Yeah, let's bow and pray. Father, thank you for the good news. We got the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's exciting stuff. And God, we got keys, and we can use them to unlock things in our life. So let us embrace it. Father, we know everything that you have for us is good. We might not understand it, but it's going to be good. So we thank you for it beforehand, and everyone says, Amen, Amen. You may be seated. Wave at your neighbor as you go down. If you're listening by whatever device, thank you. You're important. We love you so much. As I was processing this last week, I was thinking about the sermon series that Pastor Mike and I get to preach. And this is one of those sermon series that you really get to preach. And we were having keys and all these different things, and I was driving down the road, and I was thinking, God, help me process this. Help me process what you want to do. I, I know that you've birthed this vision in us, and help me be able to articulate it to the best of my ability. And I was thinking about a man or a woman, an individual who's been behind cell bars for maybe a long time. Doesn't really matter how they got there, they have just lost their freedom, and they're behind bars. Whenever I sing, I'm like the guy. I'm behind a couple bars and looking for the key, right? But those guys who are behind the bars, those individuals, they're looking for a key to their freedom. And I think about that person that's in that cell block. As they begin to realize that today is their day. Today, freedom comes to them. As the jailer or the guard walks down the long corridor to the multi-jail cells. But they know today, today the key stops with them. And I wonder how they feel hearing the jingle jangle of the keys. Knowing that that key for them is today. That they get to see freedom, the anxiety in their heart. The hope that they have, that they've paid their price, and now they get to taste freedom. And I wonder what it's like in that moment when the keys stop and they realize that freedom's at their door. And that guard or that bailiff takes out that key and begins to slip it in the keyhole. Now I understand today you push a button, but anyways you have to have a key for the door to open. And I wonder what it's like for that individual as they hear the door cell open and they get to walk out and begin their freedom. And that's what Pastor Mike and I hope really for us. 
that whatever key you need that you find, whatever has you locked up that you would be set free, whatever has been shut up that you would be able to walk through it and walk to what God has for you, amen? And feel that freedom, feel that elation that God has your back. And this is what I know about Jesus Christ, Savior of the world, that he has plenty of keys. No problems too big, no problems too small. It doesn't matter how tight it is, God can get you through it, amen? And we can taste freedom. And I was thinking, that's what God wants for us. Now, there's no way in five weeks we could preach every key that you need. But we do know that God can work supernaturally. That as we're preaching, God can bring to your understanding what you need. That at the altar, you can have one of those moments where God speaks very clearly to you about the change you need to make and how to make it. And if you'll do this, this will unlock this. And you get to walk through this door and get to walk into different levels with Christ. You get to be set free from some things. We believe that you could be at home watching this. That you could be at home listening to this. And Christ can visit you right where you're at and give you the key that you need that has kept you bound. The chains will fall off, the bonds will break. Amen? And that's what we believe because Christ said, I give you the keys. There's, there's not a struggle. I just have to reach out and accept them. But sometimes I wonder, God, do you really speak my language? Well, will I really understand what you're trying to say? Then I begin to think about Peter, and Peter's somebody easy to pick on. But I think about Peter and how whenever he first met Jesus, he said, cast the nets on the other side of the boat because Peter was a fisherman. And then whenever Peter was in the boat and Peter began to walk on the water yet again at the sea. And then, then whenever he was, uh, whenever Jesus walks out to the stern of the boat as the disciples are on there, and he walks out and he says, peace be still. I wonder what that meant to Peter, him being a fisherman and understanding the water and understanding where they're at. And then right before Jesus ascends, he's on the beach and they have fished. And his loving, loving Savior calls out and says, Cast your nets on the other side of the boat. Peter immediately knows who it is. Takes off his cloak and runs to him. See, that shows me that God can speak our language. That God knows how to give us the key that we need to be set free. The key for these things to break off of our life. And it doesn't necessarily mean some gross sin that's attached to your life. Some of us don't have those issues, and praise God for that. Some do, and we're working, and that's great. But for some of us, it's just, God, how do I get to the next level? I want to keep grinding this thing out. I know that you want your power to move through me. I know you want me to speak on your behalf and see people saved and families put back together. I know it. How do I get to that spot? How do I get to that place? Well, God speaks your language. If you're a carpenter, he speaks carpenterese. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a teacher, he speaks educationese. You know, he speaks these languages to us. You've been in your situation. And maybe you serve in the county or in the state. Maybe you're working in some kind of administration or some system. And you look at it and it seems like God is always showing you something to get you to that next place. And you're saying, God, why are you using this? Because he's speaking your language. He knows what you can handle. He speaks in a way because God says he can handle all languages. Amen? Yeah. And that's really good news. So as you walk into this, don't think that you can't understand. Don't think that God won't reveal it to you. It's on us 99.9% .9 of the time. That 0.01% is timing. It's not that God's holding it back. It's just not there yet. But for the keys, we just have to reach out and grab them. 
Today I want to talk to you about the key of authority. Everybody goes, boo. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. I want to talk to you about the key of authority. And first I want to jump right in here and ask, where do we look to find authority? Because there's a lot of different things that we could look at. There's a lot of different situations. We could even make our own if we wanted to, which people have done and still do. But let's answer this question, where do we look for authority? Well, the first thing, if you're a Bible-believing Christian, you know what I'm going to say. It's Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? Now, we're going we're gonna to go through the Bible and have a little bit of fun. I'm on my tippy toes up here. You guys that have preached before, have you ever been in front of your computer and your Bible and you've written a little bit, then you got up and preached a little bit, then you went back to your Bible and you wrote a little bit, then you got up and preached a little bit? Oh, yeah. I was doing that the other morning and I didn't realize my niece was asleep on the couch. And I was, <laughs> I was preaching to myself and I walked around the corner and my eyes got that big around and she looked at me. I said, I'm sorry. She goes, no, it's okay. Keep going. I'm like, all right. All right, I shut her down, though. I didn't know she was down there. I was preaching to myself. Well, this stuff will make us plumb happy. In the beginning, Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If we turn to John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, in the beginning, the same words was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, not anything was made that was made. That is awesome news, because that means He has complete authority. He has created us. In our, in our world today, if you start a company or maybe you create a product and you can't handle the overhead or you get yourself in a bond where you can't pay bills, they'll go turn to investors and they'll say, won't you buy 51% of my company and give me the earnings? And what they wind up doing is losing the ability to control their product. They have no more say in the decision process. They lose their company and they have no more control in that. Here, Jesus Christ created us. He's Lord of all and King of kings, right? We know that Father God loves us. And in the moment that He could have given out, given up on us and sold us out, He said, no, I'm going to send Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ came down to earth and died. He is completely, fully invested in us. He didn't sell 51% of the stock to Satan or to anybody else. It didn't matter what He offered him. He said, no, I'm going to the cross. I'm giving my life because they're worth it. All authority and power rest in Him. In Psalms, it declares the sonship of His suffering, the obedience to death. In Isaiah, He declares His saving work, His wholehearted sacrifice, His perfect character. Oh, you get Isaiah started, and He begins to talk about Jesus being the Prince of Peace, being the Wonderful Counselor, being the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. He says in His government, there will be no end. Why? Because He has all authority. Oh, then we move on to Daniel, and we begin to see Daniel seeing night visions. And he begins to see one night that that a man is coming down from the Ancient of Days, which is the Son of Man, which is Jesus Christ. And he begins to talk about him and says that he was given dominion, glory, and the kingdom. All peoples, nations, languages should serve him. Everlasting dominion, which shall what? Not pass away. And there is one kingdom because there is one God. Amen. Jesus begins to speak up in Matthew chapter 11 and 27. He says, my father has entrusted me with everything. Hey, he doesn't leave anything to doubt. 
Matthew 28 and 18, all authority, Jesus is speaking, and he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. John the Baptist speaks in, in John chapter 3, verse 35, and he says, listen, the Father loves the Son, Jesus Christ, and has put everything into his hands. Why? Because complete authority rests in Jesus Christ. There's no need to look any further. You look at Peter in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 22, and he begins to talk about how all the angels and the authorities and the powers accept his authority. Listen, there is no debate, there is no argument in heaven who is supreme God. It is Jesus Christ. That is who's supreme God. Now, we want to fight and argue about it sometimes on earth because we have people with pea brains that want to begin to put themselves up above God, but it's not true. There is one God, Jesus Christ. He reigns for all, and he can reign in your heart. There, it is settled in heaven, and we settle it in our hearts, and this is what I love about Paul. Paul says, think about the heavenly things. Be transformed. And whenever we begin to think like we're in heaven, we leave the earthly stuff out. And we do what Paul said to do. And I begin to think that Jesus Christ, and I begin to make up my mind that he's in charge and all authority is in him. Now, all of a sudden, my mind changes. And I begin to put things where they belong. Oh, Paul's not done. Paul begins in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, and he begins to talk about this name that is above all names. He begins to talk about how every knee should bow to this name under heaven and under earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Then he's writing to his friends in Colossians, and he begins to say things like this. All things were created through him, through Jesus, and for him. And he is before all things. In him, he holds everything together. Together. Oh, then he begins to talk at the last part of that verse in, in verse uh, in chapter 1 and verse 20. In heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. And we celebrated that this morning. He is the supreme peacemaker. His blood was enough. Why? Because all authority and power rests in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, but Paul isn't done. He goes back to chapter 2 here in Colossians. And to his friends in Colossians, and he goes, listen... Verse 10, he says, and you have been filled in, fulfilled in him. What is he saying? We have been completed by Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ stuck out his arms on the cross, he didn't stick out his arms. When he was on the cross with his arms stretched out, he said, it is finished. We are complete in him. Paul writes, who is the head and all rule and all authority? To Paul, it was settled in his mind. And since we started in Genesis, let's finish in Revelation Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 through 18. It says, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am the living one. This is Jesus speaking. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. Then he goes on, he says, I have the keys to death and Hades. Why? Because he is supreme ruler. All authority rests in him. We don't have to look any further. I was, my wife sent me a story this last week, and I'm going to butcher his name on accident. He's a Chinese man. His name's Guo Gangtang. I'm going to call him Mr. Gangtang. Mr. Gangtang was out in his yard with his three-year-old son. He was in the house or doing something, turned his back a minute. And this is in China. This was during the height of the law that you could only have one child in your household. And many of them wanted a male so they could carry on the name. And his three-year-old was snatched out from his yard and taken off. And later on, he found that he was adopted. Mr. <clears throat> Mr. Gangtang searched for 24 years for his son. He had a motorcycle that he rode all over China. 
He slept under bridges, slept in multiple, multiple different places, and refused to give up finding his son. In the process of his hunt, due to clues that he had provided, over a hundred people were reunited with their children. He's looking for his son while he's doing this. Seven are 100% connected to him. He found help seven kids find their families that was abducted while he was trying to hunt for his son. Later on, he finds his son. His son has become a teacher and been raised by this adopted family. And in the story, it, it, it does such a wonderful job of helping us get to that point for the first embrace of father and son. A son that he thought he had lost. A son that he searched thousands and thousands and thousands of miles for. Went into places probably won't ever speak of. Did things and had to be a part of things that he probably can't tell. Because he was looking for his son. And in that moment when they were reunited and the hug happened, I just think about that moment and I think about Jesus Christ and how he has all authority. And sometimes we can push ourselves away because maybe some of that authority structure in your life has scared you. But that same elation that Mr. Gangtang felt as he embraced his son is the same thing that we get to feel when Jesus Christ embraces us. He has the keys for us and he wants to give them to us. And this key of authority can be scary because we see it abused so many times. And then we see people not walking in it. See, authority is a two-edged sword. Not only do I submit to it, but I also have to exercise it. I have to walk in the authority that God has given us. And through Jesus Christ, we walk in that authority. It's in His name and His name alone. But as we read more Scripture, we see that the Holy Spirit has authority. John 16 and 8. And when He comes, speaking of the Holy Spirit, He will convict the world concerning sin. See, the Holy Spirit has the authority to convict us of sin in our life. Convict the world of sin. And we want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We want the Holy Spirit to be in us and all around us. We want to be open to the Holy Spirit in every way that we possibly can. And I know that you've been in this situation. You've been talking to somebody. And all of a sudden, walls fall down and words begin to come to you. And hearts are open. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is working on your behalf to convict that person of their sin. It's the same thing that happens to us as Christians whenever we think we're doing okay. And then all of a sudden, we feel our hearts shifting change and it's the spirit of God speaking to us and saying hey you've gotten off track because the Holy Spirit has the authority to convict us the Holy Spirit has the authority to make us a great witness Acts 1 and 8 you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and then the very part of that is what to the ends of the earth to everybody not to select few not just to some over here not to this tribe or that tribe or this language or that language not to this ethnicity or that necessity but to the ends of the earth to be that powerful witness that God deserves that we be second Peter 1 and 21 it says, for no prophecy has ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God, and as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit can work on our behalf. And here we know that the Word of God was breathed. 
It was the Holy Spirit working through man as they were written it down on paper to inspire and to encourage us. And the Holy Spirit works on our behalf that same way. That we're in a situation, a circumstance that we didn't ask for. We didn't want to be there. Maybe God has us there for a reason. And we're wondering how in the world am I going to make it? Has anybody ever wondered that? How am I going to make it through this? Well, the Holy Spirit has the authority to carry you. But we have to be willing to take that double-edged sword and say, God, I submit to the Holy Spirit. Show me, teach me, move me. But at the same time, when I'm there and God opens that door, I'm going to speak. I'm going to pray. I'm going to be excited about my Savior and I'm going to do it with no regrets. Amen? It's because the Holy Spirit can carry us. Don't be afraid. In Romans 8, 26, it talks about how the Spirit helps us in our weakness. See, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God has the authority to make us strong where we're weak. But we have to lean in to the Spirit and say, Spirit, teach me, show me. As we read on that verse, we see that it teaches how to pray. You're in that situation that you didn't ask for. And you're thinking, man, I don't even know what to pray. God wakes you up in the middle of the night and, and a face pops in your head and it's your turn to intercede for them. And you're like, what in the world is going on? It's God waking you and it's the Holy Spirit going to teach you what you ought to pray. And it comes across in the language of the Holy Spirit. It comes across in deep groaning sometimes that we don't understand. Don't fight it. Just go with it and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you how to pray. And this is the reason why not only did God tell us to do it, but one day it will be my turn. My face will pop up in somebody's head and I will need them to pray maybe in a language they don't understand maybe from the deep depths of their heart because the Spirit has the authority to do that the Spirit has the authority as we continue to read we also find that the Scripture has authority the Holy Writ the Bible has authority in 2nd Peter chapter 1 verses 19 it says we have the prophetic word more fully conformed confirmed we know that the Bible is the thing that we can turn to. It's better than experiences and anything else. To which you, will do, um, which you will do well to pay attention to as a light shining, as a lamp shining in a dark place. See, the Word of God has the authority to bring light to darkness. The reason why we must pray Scripture into people's lives and into our own lives. We speak Scripture over people and we speak Scripture over us. We proclaim Scripture. Why do we do that? Because it will shine light in the darkness. It will shine light in the dark areas of my life that sometimes I'm too scared to bring to God. And God, I don't know how you'll react or what you will do. Talking to a God who's seen it all, right? But sometimes we get scared. But if I will pray that scripture, if I will walk in that scripture, if I will lean into scripture, it has the authority to shine that light. And as I pray for my community, as I pray for my church, as I pray for people who are not saved, who are walking in darkness, it's not mere words, but I pray the holy, perfect word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I shine the light into the darkness. 1 Timothy 3 and 16, it says that, all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for what? Teaching and reproof, for correction and for training. See, the Scripture, the Bible has the authority to teach us, to show us where we've gone wrong, to correct us, and to train us in righteousness. We have got to pray the Word of God and teach the Word of God and love the Word of God. Amen? As we continue, we see that there's authority in government. And everybody takes a deep breath. Yes, even our current administration. It is. It is. Whether you like it or loathe it, it's, it's, it's part of it. 
Paul is writing to the Romans. You talk about a persecuting government, the Roman government, man. Romans chapter 13, verse 1, he's writing to these people who could be drug out of their homes, who could be used as, as, as literal human torches, who could be beheaded and all kinds of things, crucified. And he's saying, listen, let every person be subject to the governed authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those who exist have been instituted by God. See, whenever we choose to submit to authority, once again, a two-edged sword, whenever I submit to authority in the government and try my best to really follow where they lead. Now, there's some things as a Christian I'm not going to. It's not going to happen, okay? And we all understand that. But that has to be done in the right spirit. It's a two-edged sword. Not only do I, do I submit to that authority, but I also walk in that authority because I realize that God has given me authority and He has created all authority. And whenever I reject authority, I'm really rejecting God and not trusting Him. Now, there's some things that we know that our government is instituting that we cannot go along with as Christians. I don't even see how some people can call themselves Christians and say some of this stuff is okay because it's not. But we got to do it in the right spirit. Read the Bible. Ask yourself, whenever Daniel was pulled out and he refused to worship the king as God, what happened? He didn't go to his room and kick open the doors and pray even louder. He just did what he knew to do. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't go cussing and fighting and flailing away into the furnace. They said, let it be known. If we burn up, we burn up. But we're not going to serve anybody but God. We see the apostles doing the same thing. Let it be known. If you're asking me whether I ought to obey men rather than God, God wins every time. But they do it in a spirit of humility. They're not waving a bunch of banners with profanities on them. They're not ripping the guts out of their authorities. Matter of fact, I was sitting there thinking about this earlier. If you really want to talk about the ones who were rioting in the Bible, it was the ones who were against the authority. It was the ones who had the evil spirit inside of them. They're the ones that stoned Stephen. So we have to submit to authority whether we like it or not like it. We know as people of God, we have the ability to share the gospel. We have the authority as the people of God to share the gospel. We know that he gave us to be prophets and apostles and evangelists and shepherds. Then we know in the Great Commission, he said, go into all the world. We have the authority to share the gospel and do it without shame. As God's people, we have the authority to fight evil. Oh, man, we have the authority to fight evil. It says in Matthew chapter 10 and Luke 3 that, that, he, that he gave his 12 disciples the authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease. And then we go on and we read about the 72 and how they went out and they began to do similar things. Then we read in Mark chapter 16 and he says, What? In my name you will they will cast out demons and they will speak in new tongues. We should not be ashamed of what the Holy Spirit does in us, what the Holy Spirit has called us for. In Ephesians chapter 10, it says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Why? Because we have the authority to fight evil. And there's nothing more evil than a thought that God is not real. Because people who buy into that, they will die and they will go to hell. Because we have to submit our knee to Jesus Christ to make Him Lord of all. All authority is given into Him. We also see that we have the authority in elders. 
Oh, you got to love this one. We have the authority in elders. Not just the elders of the church, but elders that God has put in your life. Young people, these are older people who try to speak into your life that say crazy things like, don't date that person. You don't want to go there with that person. Are you sure you're going to let them drive? Are you sure you want to go to a party? No, you're going to be a missionary? Okay, we'll go to the party. And we have a hard time listening to that. We have a hard time listening to that. But he's put these elders in our lives to speak into our life. Likewise, in 1 Peter chapter 5, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the who? The elders. We were out here at Vacation Bible School, and I love telling this story, and I'll just tell it really briefly. But the kids did an amazing job of the games, and every, every area that the kids helped in, they were amazing. But out here, I was on the porch, and I was looking out. And it was the first time in 38 years I looked out and said, I'm glad I'm not out there. I'm going to pull something. Pull a hammy, you know what I mean? So I was so glad, but I saw these kids get after it, and I saw one in particular kid, his name's Ronnie, and he's here today. Great kid. And these kids, man, they would divide up on teams, and they would go after them, and they, they, they would make the kids feel super important. And Ronnie was there, and he goes, okay, guys, let's strategize. What's our strategy to win the game? And he leaned in, and one of the kids had an idea, but it was a really, really bad idea. <laughs> Have you guys ever had one of those? Yeah, and Ronnie had a great comeback. He goes, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to take that idea and put it in the idea box. Does anybody else have, have an idea? And I was thinking, what a great comeback. But he had to learn that from somewhere. It was because some elders were pouring into his life, teaching him how to do those things. And since he was willing to submit under that authority, he was able to exercise that authority, and it brought hope. It didn't, just didn't tear apart or make people embarrassed. And that's very important that we have authority in our elders. And it's okay to go to them and say, what would you do? And then listen to what they have to say. And finally, we have authority in our household. We have authority in our household. Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It does not say, Parents, obey your children, for this is right. But we've gotten that mixed up, and it's a fight that we all fight. To act like we haven't fought that fight, we would all be liars. Liar, liar, pants on fire. We've all fought that, but we've got to stand up and do that. But we have authority in our household, and a lot of problems would be fixed if the authority in our household was fixed. Now, I understand there are single parents, and you're doing what you can, and we love you, and we hold you up in prayer, and you keep doing what you're doing. But for those houses, would you have a man and a woman, and you have a mother and a father, live scripturally. 1 Timothy chapter, chapter 5 and verse 8, it talks about the authority that a man has. And I don't want to go into it very deep here. But listen, as men, we are called to be priests of our household. That means we have to walk in the authority that God has given us. That means we're going to do some things that people don't like. We're going to say some things that people don't agree with. Our house will be shaped differently. But that's okay. We walk in that authority because God has given that authority in our house. But this is the issue that we run into. We have men who do not walk in that authority. Instead, they're getting their tails whipped by the enemy. Mom and kids show up and they slam the laptop down because they don't want mom and kids to see what's on it. Parents can't swap cell phones between themselves because they're so ashamed of what they've been um, doing on their cell phone. Come on now. Don't shout me down. You know it's true. We get afraid to look at people's Netflix account and Hulu and Amazon Prime for what we'll find in the history. 
And sometimes we won't find it in the history because we've gotten really good at erasing the history. Because we don't want to walk in the authority that God's given us, which is the authority to be the man of the house. To, 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 to not rule with an iron fist and drag people in by the head of the hair, but instead to stand up and walk in the authority that God's given us, to walk in a holiness that He's called us to be in. And men, it starts with us. Don't wait on your wife and don't wait on your kids. You do what God has called you to do, and it's amazing the following that we'll have. But in our culture... We fight that. We fight that. And kids, I'm telling you, you have no idea how much pressure you take off the family when you don't rebel and you just do what you're asked. And you have no idea the blessing of God that you will walk in from that. God will have things ready for you and your friends will look at you and say, why in the world are they getting to do that? It's because you've submitted to the authority of God and now you get to walk in the authority of God. I'm telling you kids, it's real. Can I get an amen on that? Okay, I see my time. It's slipping away. Let's do three things real quick. Three things real quick. Three things. Why do we want to walk in godly authority? Why do we want to walk in this authentic authority? The reason why we want to walk in the authentic authority because it conveys clarity to people. If you're trying to walk in authentic authority, it will convey clarity to your family. It's hard for your family men to follow you when, you're, when it's a muddy river. You know what I mean? You say this, but you're doing this. It's hard, women and moms, to, to lead a household whenever we're trying to discipline a child as a father and then the child gets something different from you. It muddies the water, or man, vice versa, either way. Whenever we're walking in authentic authority, it brings clarity. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 27, it says, My Father has entrusted everything to me. There's no room for anything being not clear. Jesus said, listen, I'm entrusted with everything. Matthew chapter 28, verse 17, he says, What all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Leaves no room. There's no ambiguity, ambiguity there. It's Jesus Christ. Because real, authentic authority always conveys clarity. And if we want our households to be strong, and our churches to be strong, and our teams to be strong, and all these different areas that God has made us leaders in, the more we lead in authentic authority, the more we'll desire clarity. What's the next step? The second thing, authentic authority, it always has deliverance. People will be delivered. I love what it says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. What is he saying? He steps in front of the people that are oppressing the common person. He steps in front of them and he says, Listen, do what I say. I'm going to protect you. My burden's easy. My yoke, you can handle it. Because he was authentic. He has supreme authority. And when we walk in his name, we also offer deliverance. Whenever he goes around and he says, you're going to baptize all people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and you're going to make them disciples. What happens when people step into the kingdom of heaven? Their eyes are open and deliverance comes to their household. They realize they don't need chemical dependencies. They realize their eyes can be diverted from what they were watching. They realize that they can love their wife or their husband as God has instituted them to love. They can become the leader that God has ordained them to be because deliverance follows authentic authority and whenever we walk in that deliverance is close behind the Philippian jailer I won't go into it but read that story Acts 16 it'll help you 
And finally, the third thing is the authentic authority protects. Authentic authority protects. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, it says, Because I am humble and gentle at heart, this is Jesus, and you will find rest in your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to take some stuff off of you. Blame it on me. See, true leaders really take the blame. You know these Division I football coaches that we see? The really good ones will get up behind the press box and say, just blame it on me. Now, in the locker room, it's a different story. They go ahead and handle business. <laughs> but whenever they step out in front of people, I'll take the blame. That's why I get paid what I get paid. If we had more fathers, it would step up and say, listen, we're going to protect our family from some stuff. I know you want to watch it, but we ain't going there. I know you want to go there, but you ain't doing it. I know you want to date him or her, it's not happening. And then whenever kids will say, I'll walk in that authority, amazing things will happen. Because authentic authority protects. And finally in Matthew 28, 17, it says, And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus says, you're not walking alone. See, as leaders, we don't want people to walk alone. Here in a second, as we call the altar call, I'm hoping that some of you will respond. I know you respond in your seats, but I hope you will respond to the front. And then what some will do, as we do very often, we will encircle you because we don't want you to be down here alone. Because many of us have answered an altar call and we know what that's like. Because we want to be walking in authentic authority. Because authentic authority protects. It lets you know that you're not by yourself, that you're not alone. But if we're not fully submitted at the same time we're fully walking in it, then we become off balance. And whenever we become off balance, it doesn't matter what we try to do, everything stays shaky. We have to get back into balance. We have to say, God, how do I walk in that authority? Do I need to pray scripture? Do I need to lean more into the Holy Spirit? What do I need to do in my life? Would you bow your heads with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.